Good morning, Disciples Church. How are we doing this morning? It's Super Bowl. How many of you guys are rooting for the Niners? How many of you guys are rooting for the Chiefs? How many of you guys are rooting for the commercials? How many don't care? All right, go Broncos. Go Broncos. Well, it is Super Bowl Sunday, but uh, also uh, it is the kickoff to a brand new series uh, that we're starting this morning. It's this idea on daring to live. It's this concept of what we do, that space that we provide God in between the time that alarm clock goes off to the time we lay our heads down to go to bed, that existence in between and all the possibilities that God has given to us to see his kingdom at work. How many of you guys know that God is always at work? Two of us know that God is always at work. He's not on vacation. He's not on vacation. He's, he's still working. So God is always at work. He's always inviting us in to what he's doing. He's inviting us in to his kingdom at work in our everyday life. So we get to talk about that idea of daring to live, daring to look at our life and see the type of space that we're providing God to work in us and what we might be doing to stop that or to inhibit that. Um, we're going to go through our and look at different characters and different people and, and try to glean from them what it was, what it took, the decisions that were made in order to live life and life more abundantly that scripture talks about. Amen? How many of you guys just want to exist? How many of you guys want to live life and life more abundantly? Two of you life more abundantly, people are other ready to go to bed, right? You guys are ready to go home? Okay. I will get you to the game soon. I promise. Again, it's Super Bowl. I know that there are many athletes, and just kind of ahead, today we're going to be talking about courage and how courage, the biblical sense of courage and, and what that looks like as far as being able to lead that life or live that life that we're being called to live. And, and I know that there are many athletes, some that will be playing today, that at some point in their life, they had to exercise a type, a different form of courage. They had to do what others said might be impossible for them to do. They were probably given the odds of what was possible and what was not. Whether they were a kid that was too small and said, you can't play football, you can't do that, you can't do this. Okay, now you're playing football. Well, you're never going to play for high school football. And then they play high school football and they say, well, you're never going to make it to college. And they make it to college. And well, you're never going to be, the chances are this, that, and the other to, to make it in the NFL. And then they make it in the NFL. And then the, the probability of going to the Super Bowl, especially if you are a Raiders fan or, or anything like that. So there's all these impossibilities that people want to throw at you or throw at a situation to say why something can't be done. They had to defy those odds and walk down a road that not many have the fortitude or the discipline to walk down. This is the courage that the world knows of. Things accomplished out of one's own ability and strength, and that's a beautiful type of courage. It rests on them and them alone. They sized up the situation in their life and looked at their ability and determined that they could overcome it. There's yet another type of courage that has nothing to do with what you can do at all. A matter of fact, this type of courage means that you have to rest and trust in someone else's strength. Faith to overcome because of what someone else can do. Renee Brown says you can't get to courage without walking through vulnerability. 
You can't get to courage without walking through vulnerability. So in light of that truth, which resonates deeply with me, uh, just over the course of my life, I, I, will, I will be a little vulnerable with you as well. That vulnerability that God is asking us to walk in that says, it is nothing to do with you, it has all to do with me type of vulnerability. Again, sharing a little bit of vulnerability with myself, I've shared this with a couple of you. I gave my life to the Lord, started walking with Christ in my teenage years, high school years, and I knew early on, or at least I felt early on, the call of God in my life which I always thought and say today that God has a sense of humor and that is proof um, because I knew from being around my youth pastor and different pastors, I knew that to be called to the ministry and to do what they were doing, there was going to be a time where I would have to speak in front of people, that I would have to be around people, let alone speak in front of people. And I, if you know me, I believe it or not, extremely introverted. This is taking all the energy within me to do I thought over the last few decades it would actually ease up, but it hasn't. Um, but anyway, I remember the call of God. I remember the first time that my youth pastor said, okay, as I was interning for him, you've got two weeks, come up with a talk. You're going to share at youth in two weeks. And those were the worst two weeks of my life. The anxiety levels were super high. I was thinking of what country I could leave to. Um, everything that was coming out of my mouth or on paper just wasn't making sense. It was going to be incoherent. I, it was just going to be bad. And I remember getting all the way up to that Wednesday night and probably puking two to three times before service. And I remember getting through to the talk and I had 30 pages of notes that I blew by in about two and a half minutes. <laughs> it was the fastest spoken sermon you've ever heard in your life. But I remember the conversations I had with God shortly thereafter and sounded something like, God, I know you're God, but I think even you know this is a mistake. <laughs> I think even you know that this might not be the best choice here. And I did the laundry list of, of things as to why this wasn't going to work and it wasn't going to be me. And I remember it wasn't a booming voice. It wasn't an audible sound. It was more of an impression in my spirit that uh, still I, I feel today. I just felt the Lord saying, if you could just muster up enough courage to lead or to follow, to follow where I lead, I'll take care of everything else. And it's that moment that I've carried with me every year, every opportunity that God has presented me, every time where God has said, go do this or go do that or say that. I have always entered into that with that in mind. That God, I've just got enough courage to follow where you're leading. I know you've got everything else under control. A couple weeks ago, I mentioned during transition that to find that way where there is no way, you're going to have to remember that it's not about who you are in your own strength, but remember who you are in his. It's the type of courage found in the reality of who God is and what God has done and can do and has proven through one fulfilled promise after another that he is more than capable, he will not fail, and he has given you everything you need, which is himself. Courage, the overarching thing for this morning, if there is one, is courage is what's left when it's all about God. Courage is what you find at the end of yourself. And we're hopefully going to find that in someone's life that we're going to be reading about this morning. And if you have your Bible, you can turn to Numbers chapter 13. If you don't and you have your smartphone, you can uh, 
You can open up uh, UVersion. You can download UVersion. Go to the events tab and tap on Disciples Church. And most of the scripture and notes that we're going to be going over are going to be in, in there for you this morning. And while you're getting ready for that, would you pray with me this morning? <clears throat> Father, everything from the time we woke up to the time we got in the car to the time we got here, everything, Lord, has been about you. Father, you are leading us this morning. Help us to follow. Help us to say yes. Help us to dare to go beyond just the, the, the motions. Help us to go after the life and life more abundant that you've called us to. Father, help us to see beyond our abilities or the lack thereof and then just say yes because you've called us to. So Father, we love you. We bless you. Nudge our hearts this morning. Bring us close. In your name we pray. In all God's people said, amen. If you've got that scripture, we're going to get there in just a second. The times where courage doesn't appear to be present in what's going on or what we're going through is usually when we've sized up the situation as to whether or not, as to whether or not who we think we are and what we think we're capable of is bigger than that, that we ha- of which we have to overcome. Let me say that again. I believe that when there, is, when there is a lack of courage, it is probably because we are sizing up the situation with our own ability. If we don't feel we have the ability to do it, if we don't feel like we have the capability, the capacity, then, we have, then our, our courage doesn't line up with that. We've convinced ourselves to do things based on our own abilities, our own knowledge, our own experience, and that is great when you're applying for a job but not so much in doing the kingdom work that God has put before us. So when something comes up, when a battle presents itself, or an instruction from the Lord is voiced, a call upon you and I, that life and life more abundant, we use who we think we are, what we've done, what we've accomplished or not accomplished, and in that, we begin to, we begin to walk in fear, we begin to walk in trepidation, we begin to walk in that doubt. We begin to walk outside of true biblical courage. Courage is not found in your resume, but is what's left over when whatever you're going through and are asked to do is done with him, for him, and is about him. It is not found in your ability. A couple of my favorite people and examples in scripture is the example of Joshua and Caleb. These were the uh, God said it, I believe it guys. They were the ones that looked at life through God goggles, as I call it. Which, by the way, is exactly what it takes to experience his kingdom in this world, guys. We have to become a people who sees what God sees in every situation. Whether it's a great opportunity or a a great challenge or obstacle, to look at those things with God goggles and to see and to say, instead of what we can't do, oh God, what are you going to do? Joshua and Caleb are probably best remembered for their profound faith in God when it came to taking the promised land. And just a crude recap, you see the Israelites who escaped Egypt, led by Moses, whose inheritance was the land of Canaan, the promised land, got to this place where Moses was going to send out a team of people to go explore their new land that God was going to give them. And here's the beginning of how they evaluated this particular situation. And see if it resounds, if it, uh, if it, if it resonates with maybe how we go through the decision-making process when God calls us to do something. 
Numbers chapter 13, verse 17. It says, Moses gave the men these instructions as he sent them out to explore the land. Go north through the Negev and into the hill country. See what the land is like and find out whether the people living there are strong or weak, few or many. See what kind of land they live in. Is it good or bad? Do their towns have walls or are they unprotected like open camps? Is the soil fertile or poor? Are there many trees? Do your best to bring back samples of the crops you see. No mention as to, hey guys, I know I'm asking you to go out there and check this out, uh, but hey, whatever you find, good, bad, or indifferent, whatever you see, it is the land that God has given us, so it's, it's a done deal. It was, go check this out. Let's see with our human eye what is possible and what is not. I know the Lord sent them to explore this, by the way, because we see that in previous verse, uh, verses. And I'm totally projecting now. I don't know if this is exactly what God was thinking, but I don't think that his goal to have Moses send this team out to look, to look the land over was for them to return whining and complaining and talking as if what God wanted them to do had anything to do with their own abilities. It's not like God was saying, hey guys, go see if this is something you think you can handle. If not, we'll find somewhere else to go. Right? I would think that it was an exploration to point to his people to yet another opportunity for them to see what he was about to do, another miracle to witness. I mean, they've been traveling by a pillar of fire by night and a pillar of smoke by day. God had been leading them to this moment. Miraculous signs left and right. By now, he'd probably have hoped they are starting to see the challenges and obstacles through his eyes and not their own. But here's their response. And tell me if they are seeing this with God goggles on. Numbers 13, 27 through 33, it says, this was the report to Moses. We entered the land you sent us to explore and it is indeed a bountiful country a land flowing with milk and honey. Here's the kind of fruit it produces, but the people living there are powerful and their towns are large and fortified. We even saw giants there, the descendants of Anak, the Amalekites, I'll probably get all these wrong, live in the uh, Negev and in the Hittites, Jebusites and Amorites live in in the hill country. The Canaanites live along the coast of the Mediterranean Sea and along the Jordan Valley. But Caleb tried to quiet the people as they stood before Moses. Let's go at once to take the land, he said. We can certainly conquer it. But the other men who had explored the land with him disagreed. We can't go up against them. They are stronger than we are. So they spread this bad report about the land among the Israelites. The land we traveled through and explored will devour anyone who goes to live there. All the people we saw were huge We even saw giants there, the descendants of Anak. Next to them, we felt like grasshoppers, and that's what they probably thought too. That doesn't sound like a people who who are remembering quite well what they have just come from. The hand of God that has been all over their life. This isn't the God, I am not capable, I have zero ability, but you know what? I'm going to follow where you lead. They looked at what they were bringing to the table, so to speak, and the lack thereof dictated their courage. Again, we're not bigger than them. We're not stronger than them. They have fortified cities. There's nothing we're bringing to this fight that that proves to me that we're going to win this land. 
not for a second remembering the one who brought them here to accomplish that very task. And that God who brought them out of Egypt, who swallowed up, the chase, uh, swallowed up those who were chasing them in the Red Sea, who miraculously provided for them everything they needed to get to this place, only to come to their conclusion that it was impossible. It just sounds crazy when you say it out loud. All the things that they had seen God do in their lives, leading them to this particular moment to take a hold of their inheritance, and to then go back to what they cannot do to overcome it. All they needed to do was to give God glory, give God praise, put him first, and rely not on who they were or their strength or what they brought to the table to get to this place, which, by the way, honestly, nothing about them got them to this place other than following his presence. Amen? Honestly, all they had to do was to have the courage to stay, in that, to stay that particular course. To come to a point in their relationship with God where they begin to see the obstacles, the circumstances, and all the challenges with God goggles on. And instead of trepidation, the hope would have been for them, I think from God's point of view, would be to have leaned into with great expectations as to what God was going to do next. So if you want to ask, if you want to ask, how do you dare to live? You have to lean into these things with great expectations as to what God can do next. Amen? If you go into any situation, any challenge, any circumstance with what you can't do, what the, what the situation shows, the impossibilities of it all, instead of leaning into God, look at all this, what are you going to do? You lead, I'll follow. But what are you going to do? I can't wait to see. They were delivered, protected, provided for, given away where there was no way. And now they look at where they're at and talk as if to conquer this land has anything to do with them. This was another opportunity for God to demonstrate his power, his presence, his will for his people. Now, in light of all that, there were two people who were looking at this challenge with God goggles on. Caleb and Joshua in verse 30 said again, but Caleb tried to quiet the people as they stood before Moses. Let's go at once to take the land, he said. We can certainly conquer it. And when he says we, I don't really think he's just referring to some inner, you know, I'm speaking positive out there. It looks really bad, but I'm going to just speak positive that we can conquer this. I think when Caleb is saying we can certainly conquer it, it is him referring to the fact that they can do what the Lord said they could do. Period. And then in verse 6 through 9, it says, Two of the men who had explored the land, Joshua son of Nun and Caleb son of... Something starts with a J. Tore their clothing. They said to all the people of Israel, The land we traveled through and explored is a wonderful land. And if the Lord is pleased with us, he will bring us safely into that land and give it to us. It is a rich land flowing with milk and honey. Do not rebel against the Lord. And don't be afraid of the people of the land. They are only helpless prey to us. They have no protection. But the Lord is with us. Don't be afraid of them. Man, if that's not looking at a situation with God goggles on, I don't know what is. This is biblical courage. It's the come what may, the Lord is with us stance. 
This mentality has nothing to do with us and all to do with him. The outcome, whatever it might be, we walk through it knowing that the Lord is with us. Obedience not directed or approved based on what we see or what we think we can or cannot do, but obeyed because of who God is, what he has done, what he has proven time and time again to be true, which is that he will not fail us. And here's this. The choice to move forward is not because we've assessed the risk and deem it acceptable, but because God said he is with us and he has given us the land, the victory. Your assessed risk analysis means nothing to the things of God. I don't know if that made its way. I think we too much, we, we sometimes too, put too much of a risk analysis on the things that God's called us to do. We pro and con it. We rationalize it. We plan it. This won't work. This won't work. But when it comes to the things of God, we really can't do the risk analysis uh, process it really doesn't matter. If God said the land is yours, then it doesn't matter what the land has. It doesn't matter what it's going to do. It doesn't matter who's there. It doesn't matter anything. Because he is with us, and he said it's yours. What we would experience, guys, if this was our decision-making process. I mean, can you just think about that for a second? Just rest in that question. What would we experience as children of God if that was our decision-making process? To look at the mission, the task, the situation, the circumstance before us and say, God is with us. It's all about him. Yes, it looks like there isn't a clear-cut way here, but I've seen the Lord at work. I've seen his promises to be yes and amen. Amen. I cannot do this because of who I am, but I can do all because of who God is. Let's go. Courage is what's left when it's all about him, not about you. Courage to say yes to what God is leading you to, into and to go through. Courage not to stay where you were or where you're at, but to partner with his leading to take the land that he has given to you in your life. Now, whether that land needs to be taken, uh, needs to be, uh, sorry, whether that land that needs to be taken is in your marriage whether it's in your relationships, maybe it's with your children, or the mission that God is inviting you into to be a part of, whatever that is, it's being able to go out over that land and instead of coming back with a bad report full of impossibilities and fear, it's looking at it through the God goggles and remembering that God said he is going ahead of you, the victory is already yours. That's courage. Deuteronomy 1.30 says, The Lord your God is going ahead of you. He will fight for you just as, as you saw him do in Egypt. And you saw how the Lord your God cared for you all along the way as you traveled through the wilderness. Just as a father cares for his child, now he has brought you to this place. What place has the Lord brought you to this morning? What is it in your world, in your life, in your sphere of influence, your relationships, has God brought you to that you are looking at it without God goggles and instead looking at the impossibilities, the fears, the unknowns, instead of saying, God, you brought me to this place. I have seen all that you've done to get me to this place.
And then we have to ask ourselves, will we continue to follow where he leads? Because quite honestly, that is all we have to really do. So the people rebel, they fall apart. It becomes all about them and how horrible everything is. So God decrees that no one over the age of 20 will enter the promised land except for Joshua and Caleb because it says in scripture that they had a different spirit. They served him wholeheartedly, scripture says. They were spiritually courageous in the things of God. And due to some other distrust and dishonoring things Moses had done, God decrees that neither Moses nor Aaron will enter the land either. So Joshua, Joshua was commissioned now to lead this new generation into the promised land. And so we pick up here in Joshua chapter 1, verses 1 through 9. And this is where we get a lot of the be strong and courageous commands from God to Joshua. Matter of fact, I think he references it all through the Joshua story about six different times. And this is the conversation. This is the Lord's charge to Joshua. It says, after the death of Moses, the Lord's servant, the Lord spoke to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' assistant. He said, Moses, my servant is dead. Therefore, the time has come for you to lead these people, the Israelites, across the Jordan River into the land that I am giving them. I promise you what I promised Moses. Wherever you set foot, you will be on the land I have given you. From the Negev wilderness, wilderness in the south to the Lebanon mountains in the north, from the Euphrates River in the east to the Mediterranean Sea in the west, including all of the land of the Hittites, no one will be able to stand against you as long as you live. For I will be with you as I was with Moses. I will not fail you or abandon you. Verse 6, be strong and courageous. For you are the one who will lead these people to possess all the land I swore to their ancestors I would give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the instructions Moses gave you. Do not deviate from them, turning either to the left or to the right. Then you'll be successful in everything you do. Study this book of instruction continually. Meditate, it, meditate on it day and night so that you will be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. This is my command. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Amen? It is one thing to be told to have courage and quite another to possess it. Joshua's courage was not predicated on wishful or positive thinking. It was predicated on the fulfillment of the promises of God. Every reason God gave Joshua to be strong and courageous was founded in who God was and is and will always be for him and his people. The Lord himself promising Joshua, I will be with you. When God is with you, nothing more is necessary. Does anyone believe that? Joshua understood this fact. The foundation to walk in faith, taking every step knowing that God was with him. And that was enough. But God does give us some beautiful nuggets in this conversation with Joshua to help us dare to live courageously. Some little, if you want to call them points, we can call them points, just some things that are pulled from that conversation that are so beautiful that even God says, here's some things to remember. To live, to, to live this way, to be courageous, to live in a way where it's, you're looking at everything the way I look at them. That there is, you can overcome, there is victory already in you. The first thing in this conversation is the Lord commanded him to get up and go. 
verses two through four. It says, Moses, my servant is dead. Therefore, the time has come for you to lead these people, the Israelites, across the Jordan River into the land I'm giving them. I promise you what I promised Moses. Wherever you set foot, you will be on land that I've given you. We need to put action to what we are going through, to what, the, to what land God is having you receive. Because remember, God has already fought the battle, amen? The land is already yours. Your possession of it, here's the key, your possession of it depends only on how far you are willing to step out in faith to take it. Your possession of it depends only on how far you are willing to step out in faith to take it. When God leads you to that land and says, okay, this is the land I've called you to take, are we willing to look past what we see? Are we willing to look past, past our abilities? Are we willing to look past what we can or cannot do? And instead of sizing the situation based on who we are, we size the situation up on how big God is. The land was theirs. They just weren't willing to step out in who God was and what God could do to take it. Second thing in this conversation, God reminds Joshua of his promises to take the land. Remember, he says, no one will be able to stand against you as long as you live, for I will be with you as I was with Moses. I will not fail you or abandon you. There are three promises in there. The first one is Joshua would be pretty much invincible, right? No one will be able to stand against you as long as you live. That sounds pretty invincible, invincible to me. Second thing is, as God was with Moses, so he would be with Joshua, Right? The same promise that he had promised uh, his, you know, Moses, those that he had been following, that those same promises are meant for Joshua. And the third promise is that God would not fail or forsake him. I don't know about you, but when God says, I am not going to fail, that I'm not going to leave you, that's a pretty, those are pretty good things to help be in my corner as to how I can overcome something. Right? That should be enough. Right? The third thing I find in this conversation is he tells Joshua to be strong and courageous, that he has a plan for him. And that is why he's to be strong and courageous. There is a plan here. This isn't a willy-nilly type of, let me just see what happens type of a thing. This was God saying, this is my plan. I've got a plan for you. Be strong and courageous for you are the one who will lead these people to possess all the land I swore to their ancestors that I would give them. And that should be inspire courage to every single one of us in this place. You are his son. You are his daughter. He has a purpose and a plan for your life. No one's excited about that. You are an instrument to fulfill his work and his will. Just as Joshua would be an instrument in God's hands to fulfill his promises that he made to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, he is saying to us, I have a plan and a purpose for you. Of course, I am going to see it through. If that doesn't inspire biblical courage, I don't know what is going to. We are a part of his kingdom and his kingdom work. He is going to give us everything we need, which is all of him. And that in that reality, we can say we lack nothing to overcome something. I mean, every part of that report that those men came back with was a laundry list of what they lack to accomplish what God has called them to do. Great, I'm glad you lack all of that. I don't. So all I need you to do is follow where I lead. Fifth 
fourth thing, fourth thing in this conversation is Joshua was encouraged to not let his word depart from his lips. It says, study this book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night so that you will be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. And I think this is a big crux of the puzzle right here. I believe courage bubbles up when we are reminded of his words, his actions, and his presence. The all that God is, right? If we don't spend time meditating on his word and spending time in his presence, catch this, our courage to move with him will return to a risk assessment approach rather than a walk-by-faith approach. Lastly, God ended his encouragement with a rhetorical question to Joshua. It says, have not I commanded? Have not I commanded be strong and courageous? Do not be terrified and do not be discouraged. I kind of like to hear a little bit of redneck in his voice when I, when I hear that. I mean, it's not like he was saying Billy Joe Bob. It's not like he was, it's, it's not like he was saying, uh, hey, this is you know, Billy Joe Bob saying, hey, go hold my Mountain Dew. Let's see what we can do here. This was, this was God, right? This wasn't just anybody saying you can do this. This wasn't anybody saying, hey, let's just let's see if we can do the best we can here. Let's just, you know, we'll get a couple guys together. We'll get a focus group going. We'll see if we can make this happen, right? I mean, it's God, and he's already giving you the victory. He's saying, look, I command you to be strong and courageous and fearless because I am going with you. It's me. You know God? Right? Now, that might not have been his inflection. I'd love to invite the worship team to come on up. You know, if the rest of this community would stand with me this morning, I just want to share some closing thoughts as we lean into this a little bit more. We talk about having courage and the necessity for courage and what it's like to have biblical courage, but what happens? What is it when there is a lack of courage? Because we're talking about daring to live, right? We're talking about going beyond just the alarm clock and going to bed at night. We're talking about all the stuff in between that God wants to do in our life, right? Where there's a lack of courage, there's a lack of vision for what God is capable of doing. Where there's a lack of courage, there's a lack of vision for what God is capable of doing. When we aren't courageously saying, God, where you lead, I'm going to follow. It's not about what I can do, it's about all you can do. If we don't start living that way, we begin to diminish the vision of what God is capable of doing. I mean, think about the Israelites. They lost all courage when they started to think about what they were capable of doing. They began to doubt what God was capable of doing in their lives in that moment. Where there's a lack of courage, there's a misplaced faith. We begin asking, can I do this? Instead of knowing God can. And so it doesn't matter. Right? It doesn't matter if I can do this anymore when I'm relying on God. Where there's a lack of courage, there's a lack of movement. Things will always stay the same. You can just stay in the desert or dare to live and look at every opportunity through God goggles and remember what God can do and wants to do in and through your life. There's another quote by William Faulkner. It says, you cannot swim for new horizons until you have courage to lose sight of the shore. 
Now, I know those are real nice to read and all of this sounds great. But this type of life that God is calling us to, this dare to live situation, it comes from a people saying, it's not about me. It's not about what I can do. God, it's all about what you can do. It's all about who you are. And you're inviting me along and you're asking me, Dan, if I leave, will you just follow me? Can you muster up enough courage just to follow me? I'll take care of everything else. And that is what I'm asking you this morning. Is there enough courage that when God leads you to pray for someone at work, when God leads you to pray for someone at the bus stop, when God, when God shows you someone who is sick and needs prayer, when God is leading you to someone to lead them to the Lord, to tell them about the, the good news of Christ, whatever it is, can you go into it going, God, I don't have the right words. I am not, I'm not going to be very articulate in this. I really don't know what to say, but, but. I know the victory is already mine. I know that you are going to do this. I know this is all about you and not me. You lead, I'll follow. To live anything more than just an existence, that's what it's going to take. And God is looking for those who will say yes to that simple act of obedience. Would you pray with me this morning? Father, life's too short to look at life with this risk assessment process of faith. Call it simple, call it whatever you want. But Lord, I just want to be the one that says yes to following where you lead. Knowing that you're in control. Knowing that you've already won. Knowing that whatever land you're leading me to take You've already done it. I just get to walk alongside. I get to be that instrument. I get to look at challenges and circumstances and the mission that you put before my life with God goggles on. And instead of tearing it down with what I can or cannot do or how it's going to work or not work, and simply say, God, I want to lean into great expectation of what you're gonna do with this. I'm not afraid of what I can or can't do. I'm excited about finding out what you're gonna do in this. We have to walk towards it for, to see it. We have to follow where he leads to see it, to be a part of it. And Lord, I wanna be a part of it. Father, show us that courage. The next time you invite us to be a part of someone's life, the next time you invite us to pray for someone, the next time you invite us into doing something in this community or that mission that you put in our hearts, whatever that might be, we do it with you. We muster up enough courage to say, I follow where you lead. Because only when God enters a situation only when God is a part of what he's asking us to do. 
that things begin to change. Outcomes change. Impossibilities become possible. Father, we love you this morning. I would encourage you guys this morning, we have prayer team around the room. It could be simply this. God, I want to be one who follows wherever you lead. Help me to stop asking the or giving you the laundry list of what can and can't be done or what is possible or not possible. That this morning we would simply begin by saying, God, I would I ask for that courage that can only come. That only can come at the end of myself. That type of courage that comes when it's all about you and nothing to do with me. If that's you this morning and you just like someone to pray with you, to partner with you, to live that life of courage, then I just encourage you to do that. And we're going to worship some more. And along with that worship, I want to invite us as a community of believers that at some point this morning you'd find your way to the back table where we have our tithing bowl you can give in multiple different ways as we begin to sow back into what God is doing in this community and in this place it's a part of that worship it's a part of saying what I can't do versus God I can do whatever it is that you've asked me so Father we love you we bless you in your name we pray Amen into the Everything changes Darkness starts to tremble 